before him. So when we say a prayer, it's not done. It is in God's presence. We're looking today at Mary's song that's called the Magnificat. So really just, it sounds like such a fancy word, but really it's just the conjugation of the verb to magnify in the Latin because the Latin Vulgate was the Bible of the church for a while, several hundred years. And when we come to Mary's song, it's a very beautiful echo of other scriptures. And at first I thought, oh, won't it be cool? I'll put on the link tree this, and you can look up all the Old Testament scriptures. At first I thought I could do it. And then it was too many. And then I thought we'd put on the link tree. It's so interwoven. It tells us that Mary had been listening and digesting and metabolizing the Word of God. As we look at her prayer, I want you to maybe use this as a prayer for yourself this week. But I also want you to enter into the fact that she was acknowledging, whoa, I just had this major encounter with God through the angel Gabriel and said, yes, I'll be your servant. But she was also linking to all that God had done historically for the children of Israel from back in Abraham. And she, not fully developed in any way, we know it from future passages, but had a glimmer of the hope and how God was going to act for her future child. So, how many of you played with a magnifying glass when you were a child? Did anybody ever try to start a fire? Did it work? You got it to work? See, I could never make the fire work, and I was even... We have magnifying glasses. Now we have microscopes because we want to see more. We want to have more detail. She is magnifying God. So one of the first things that occurs to me is when you or I pray, what are we magnifying? Often it's our panic or need. Sometimes it might be the Lord. We're going to read in Luke chapter 1 starting with verse 46. And I hope that as we read it, you're going to pay attention to all that gets magnified. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So what did Mary magnify? Some character traits about the Lord. 
If it's your own Bible, you might even want to circle. Well, she, in verse 48, she magnified his mindfulness. In verse 49, his might and his holiness. And in verse 50, his mercy. So she had just, this is her song. And she's met and she said, all right, said Gabriel, like, this doesn't kind of make sense with how I told babies came, but okay, that's what God wants to do. Yes, I am your servant. And then she acknowledges she understands God can do this. Now, how many of you from work, a YouTube video, or school have tried mindfulness, right? Or maybe in magazine. So sometimes there's an exercise and you take seven reasons. And you have to study the reasons. I know you're already cutting your eyes at me. But you study these raisins, and then you savor one at a time. And the idea is to help you be more present to what's happening now. And I don't think it's all bad. I think part of what happens is that we're on our phones, and we're literally around the world, wherever our people are. And we're trying to focus on our studies, and we're here. So there's some value in it. I'm not trying to dimension. But she attends to God's mindfulness for her and for his people. Are you aware that the Lord is mindful of you? Not in theory. Not, I know God loves me. He is mindful of the weight of exam season. He is mindful of how you look forward to, or maybe you're not sure you want to go home because there's some mess there, around the holidays. He is mindful. In her prayer, she celebrates. He's acknowledged her humble circumstances of his servant. Her yes to um, Gabriel that Craig talked about last week is up in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. It was a decision she had made long before Gabriel had shown up. And here she is realizing, oh, God noticed. And then she also is rejoicing in his power. He had done some great things. So now, maybe you have learned in prayer the Acts formula. You adore the Lord, you confess some sin, you say thank you, and you supply supplication. Um, Pray for others, pray for your needs, that he would supply those. It's not a bad outline. But I want you to notice how specific Mary's praise is. There's the general God, you are great, and he is. And God, you are good, and he is. But she's going to go, and she's going to get specific. You've noticed me, and this is going to be a mess. All generations in the future, though, are going to call me blessed. You have done great things for me because you're holy. And then she talks about his mercy. She's very specific in her praise. And then she goes communal fast. So often our prayer time is about us. It's a bit like our conversations. You go to coffee with a friend, and it's like, Okay, let me tell you, and da, 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 and it's so exciting. I had two friends come over yesterday, and we don't. We used to work together, and we see each other like every two months or so. 
And it was like all these just fun things. And it's about our lives and our children's lives. And then we got into some philosophy. But conversation is always about us. But I want you to notice that Mary's conversation with the Lord moved into the community. And so she starts in verse 50, mercy for those, it becomes plural instead of singular, who fear him generation to generation. Mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And again, it's acknowledging that the Lord knows what's in us. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what's in our thinking. And that is what he is interacting. That's what he's mindful of. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Now, teach you, I'm, I know you're probably going to roll your eyes at me. You may not all have loved English. Hebrew, po- but this is fun. Hebrew poetry, historically, rhymed by thought. Okay? So in her prayer, in verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. There's no rhyme in the sounds, but it's repetitive. Do you see? Glorifies and rejoices are connected. Who is getting glorified? The Lord and Savior. Another way that this prayer is organized when we come to the verses we just read, verse 51 and 52 and 3. Rulers, what happens to them? Rulers are, they are brought down. What happens to the humble? They are lifted up. Did that happen in Mary's life? Did it happen in other people's lives? Have you seen it happen? Okay, now what happens to the hungry? Their needs are met. They are lifted up. They are satisfied with good things. And the rich, what happens? Empty. Okay, so we've got... (laughs) The rulers who are proud. We've got those that are humble and hungry. And then we come back to those that are fallen. Now, you have the picture in your mind. You've probably seen this. You've heard this. Mary was aware of how God had done it in the past. And that she was living into that in the present. Hannah read Hannah's song. Hannah's song has echoes in Mary's song. Both were women who are about to have a baby now. I mean, okay, due time. And they had received the Lord's blessing, and they praised him, and they said this for the whole community. And here is Mary acknowledging God's provision. But now what are you going to do? You all... Most of you are in some way connected to the university, either in employment or your studies. You are trying to become an expert in something. You'll want a good job. And does it make you just this much scared when the Bible starts talking about being humble and being brought down? If you're in the arts at all, you are getting well-schooled in your privileged selves getting here. And then you read this, and does it make you anxious at all? Maybe it doesn't. 
hope it does, because I hope you take the word seriously enough that you're like trying to figure out, how do I do this? Mary and Jesus were not ever opposed to doing and being and serving well. It's the inmost thoughts and hearts that are proud. So, you may or may not know this, but in our midst is Joanne Anakwuru, who is an international expert on special education, specializing in relating to students with, um, on the spectrum. When I say international, I mean she has been a head of school in Nigeria, she has a master's degree right from Britain, and she's here finishing her PhD. She has parents whose children need help all over the world. And she Zooms them Sunday morning, middle of Saturday night. She is always, she is an expert and has every reason to be proud. And yet she is not. She still works in the school board here in classes for these kids, teenagers. She start. I have permission to share this, so just so you know, I, I did get permission. She has students um, who nobody knows what to do with and are complicated. And she's helping teachers. She's the expert, but she again and again relates to teachers who feel threatened very humbly. Helping them to do better for the kid. Realize she, they, they should be listening to her in a heartbeat. She teaches here. She's got so much experience. But her demeanor is consistently one of humility. She has taken her expertise with the character of humility that the Lord has given her. She's changing kids' lives. But what is also interesting is that she didn't, this is the story in, she didn't tell me the story for this, but it was, I was so touched. She started noticing some students who were disconnected. Their attendance is very erratic. They did not want to go to, if they were there, they were out in the hallways. They were not her concern. They are not a part of her portfolio. But she saw kids that were being disempowered because they were culturally not considered. It was not a culturally responsive environment for them. So Joanne goes in and says, can I bring them into my classroom? Well, why? You have more than you can handle. Um, could I just do it? So she took extra kids on her caseload that aren't her specialty, but because it was right and good and because they were vulnerable teenage learners and there was a lot that was going to go sideways for them if someone doesn't step in. She's also very patient. She goes, yeah, I collect their work from their teachers, and it's there. And if they decide to do part of it, they've learned a little bit. Now, why do I tell you all this in the midst of Mary's beautiful song? Is you are becoming experts in something. And you can be a humble servant in your strength, in your expertise, and so then you don't have to fear these passages that say, Whew, if you're high, you're going to be brought down. It is not about 
um, your position. It is not about your power. It is about your actions and your attitude. What's in your inmost heart? So don't fear becoming highly skilled at something. But walk with the one who you want to magnify and who will change your heart so it can be humble in the high moments. So that when you are in a position of leadership, you use it for those that nobody else may see or care to work with. And that is where Mary sings. And then, after she's gone through her personal and the collective, and she's acknowledged the great reversal of the kingdom, because that is the great reversal, that that is seemingly great is not always. And that that looks low and unimportant is often where the elevation and the power of God most shows up. It's most showing up here in this teenage girl. And then she connects to her history of the promises that have been fulfilled in verse um, 54. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is a prayer of both faith, but also of frustration. And her entire people had been frustrated. They had been oppressed. At this point, it may not be overly political, but Rome is in charge and it's not gone well. Historically, it had gone through Babylon and Assyria. But in the and prior to that, Egypt. In the midst of all of this, she's saying, you made a promise. At this point, she's referencing a promise several thousand years before. And she's saying, the Lord is going to keep his word. Now, do you feel that you are in the continuation of a story? It might be that the story is your family's story of faith. But I'm not actually referring to that. I'm really talking about there is a story of God's activity. And he creates. And Adam and Eve go their own way. And they get kicked out of the garden. And he says, oh wait, I'm going to come. And I'm going to send... Abraham, I'm going to make a, he's my friend. He's a human and he is my friend of God. And so I'm going to say, trust me and I'll make a covenant with you to bless all nations. And Abraham says, all right, I'm on it. And then his sons sort of kind of tried and they fight. And then his grandsons end up in a bigger mess and they end up as slaves in Egypt. And the Lord says, all these people go their own way, but they've cried out to me. And when humans cry out to me, what am I going to do? I'm going to respond. And so he does. And he sends them Moses. And Moses leads them out with God's powerful acting. And here he is. And God heard their cries. He responds. And they can't sustain faith 
but they tried and fall and try and fall. And before you know it, we're in the book of Judges. Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. You have women being raped and then cut up and sent all around the nation. It is like things were a mess. And after a while, they called out and said, oh, God, help. And what does God do? He helps. And he sends King David, who was a man after his own heart. Now, y'all know he was also a hot mess because he was human and he just did all kinds of bad things. But he was still a man after God's own heart. And he became another prototype. And he said, all right, I am here to help you. And he sets up, but you know, his son Solomon had a divided heart. The nation split by the time his grandson was king. They end up getting literally 10 of the tribes scattered along the Silk Road, they think. And there's two little tribes who are under a serious oppression. And the people do what? They called out. And when they called out, God responded. And he went to see a teenage girl. And he says, I've got plans for humanity still. And that's the story you're in the midst of. You're in the midst of a God who says, I'm going to create you because it's good. And yeah, you went off your own way, but I hear your cries. So I'm going to make a new agreement with my friend to bless you all. And yeah, you might end up in slavery because of your own choices. But however, I hear your cries and I'm going to come. And I'm going to give you a leader that leads you to freedom. And you're having trouble following him and you go your own way. And you end up doing some really awful things. But I hear your cries and I'm going to send you. And this, this is the story that we're in. And when Jesus comes, it's a once for all. He is here. And he has come because he does want to satisfy your deepest hunger. And he really does want to lift you up. So that it is easy for you to magnify God's mindfulness towards you. God's might. God's holiness. And his mercy. But right now, sometimes we magnify our problems and our tiredness and our loneliness. But you are in the midst of a much bigger, a much more beautiful story. And for those of you who maybe don't know all of what Mary's connected to, Hannah's song is a great starting spot. But there's like, literally, it was like almost 45, 50 verses that are referenced within this short prayer. She had woven in the word of the Lord and how he acted and metabolized it so much that her prayer life became a song for the early church that Luke has preserved for us. And have you experienced for yourself that you're in God's story? And when you call out, and when we together call out, he has already sent Jesus to be the one to come and help. This is a beautiful prayer of anticipation and recognition of the activity of God. 
Um, I would like to pray through this now for us together. And I hope your prayer habit can be like Mary. And that you'll start with her song this week, but that you will use the scripture to inform how you begin to pray. So let's pray. You can have your eyes open and read your Bible along. (sighs) My soul glorifies the Lord. I want to see and recognize your magnificence, Lord. I want to um, magnify it in my life and to other people. I want you to be the one that is exalted. And Lord, my spirit, it rejoices because you have saved us. I want to delight more in recognizing your activity. I get busy and distracted, and so I want to learn to be one who really finds that my joy is in you. And Lord, this says that you have been mindful of the humble state of your servant. And I pray over all of us, the places where we don't feel seen and we aren't sure you've been mindful of, that that's right where the Spirit of Jesus would meet us. That we would receive your thoughtfulness. We would not fear your notice. But that we would sit with you so that we can experience that. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me and holy is his name. And Lord, we we are not all merry. But we will have other generations in our professional lives and other generations in our personal lives. And so what we ask is that your spirit would come upon us and we would have the wisdom to see the great things you are doing and to tell the great things that you have done. That you gave us another space to gather today. That you have allowed us to continue in faith when it would be easy to be distracted. That you have provided when we weren't sure about tuition. That you've provided the one friend. And Lord, that you are holy and you are good. There is so much around us that is profane. And that is not set apart for what's beautiful and good and true. But you are. Lord, your mercy extends to those who fear you from generation to generations. And so I ask that you would increase our awe. And we would delight in your awesomeness. That your mercy for us would not make us ashamed. Instead, we would become dependent on your mercy and it would make us safe and we could face who we really are. And so for the places in our hearts today where we're not sure you're merciful because nobody else knows about where we've been on the internet or the anger in our hearts 
we confess that to you and we receive your mercy. And we know that your mercy puts newness in us so that future generations will be blessed. And so we want to receive more of the mercy of God. Lord, you are mighty to do great deeds. And we ask that your arm would stretch across this campus and across this city in ways that help people recognizing your strength and your power. And Lord, it actually scares me, if I'm honest, to pray about you scattering those who are proud in their inmost thoughts because, I don't know, I don't want people scattered. But I also don't want to be proud. And I pray for all of us to walk in humility and to walk in service. That we would be like Joanne and in the place of strength is where we would most serve. And we would have the courage to do that. Lord, I pray that you would bring down rulers all around the world who are there for themselves and not for their people. Even if they were rightly elected, when they are there for power and prestige, that you would bring down rulers who are unjust. And that you would lift up. There would be across the world a movement of humble leadership, of wise wanting to help others' leaders. And Lord, we ask that you would fill the hungry with good things. Most of us here today probably are not hungry in our bellies. Well, we may not have had breakfast, but like permanently hungry in our bellies. But there are places in our spirits, in our lives that are hungry for being known, for being understood, for being supported. And that we would sense that you are satisfying our deepest needs. And Lord, for those who are truly hungry, that you would give us wisdom and generosity about how to meet those needs. That you would bless the UBC Acadia Food Bank Hub. And that people's lives would, and needs would be met. And that you would be met. And Lord, we may not have a lot of money in the bank rich now, but just by having access to education, we know we're well off. And so I pray that we would be generous with that and that we would be stewards of all you have provided. Um, Lord, you have helped your servant Israel. And Lord, you have helped your church. You have shown us mercy again and again. And here we sit in a story that you started at creation. And where you showed yourself to Abraham and his descendants. That you probably, not for all of us, but some of us, people in our family who taught us about you. We are in the stream and the story of your goodness, of your power, of your mindfulness, of your holiness and mercy. Now make us courageous with Mary to live into the story you have called us to do as your humble servants. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.